welcome to the inaugural episode of the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talkie... Talkie some walkies. <laughs> We're going to talkie some walkies <laughs> on the Walkie Talkie yep. Podcast. So uh, we have just recently watched, within the last 24 hours, the uh, first episode of Season 7 Part B, Mm -hmm. the second half, called A Rock in the Road. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Rock in the Road. A Rock in the Road. And we recorded a whole episode about the first half of the season, and we wanted that to be our inaugural episode, and we were going to talk about what we liked and what we didn't like, and uh, we spent a good 90 minutes putting that together and then realized that the audio didn't record on my end. Mm-hmm. Or at least only part of it did. Yeah, it was kind of fragmented. So hopefully we don't have that problem again. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, you're not going to be able to hear all of our incredible insights about the first half of the season. But I guess we might bring them in occasionally yeah. as we talk now. Yeah, I guess we could do that. I still yeah. kind of remember what I what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'll talk very broadly to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was good, but not great. Um, I thought that the first episode was a start in the right direction, um, of, you know, moving towards, uh, you know, moving towards a feeling of, of victory and accomplishment and, you know, fighting back for our survivors, mm-hmm. um, there there weren't as many uh, moments of like high dramatic tension as i was expecting from a mid-season opener okay um not that's not to say there weren't good moments which i'm sure we'll talk about um mm-hmm. but uh yeah I, I mean i would say on a scale from one to ten this episode was like a six or a seven for me and you know i wanted a you know an eight or a nine mm-hmm. or, or a ten i wasn't expecting a ten but um, I wanted something a little higher. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. How about you? I kind of felt the same way. Um, I initially didn't like it. Not not that I was like, not that I had a lot of hate towards it, but I wasn't impressed. Especially for a Greg Nicotero directed episode. Mm-hmm. He usually directs some pretty intense uh great episodes but yeah i would give this one probably about a, a six i okay. i might even go yeah. a little lower to a five five 5.5 six mm-hmm. i had a big issue with the dialogue in this episode it felt clunky mm-hmm. it felt like i haven't experienced this with the walking dead too much but there it would it almost felt like a network television episode Okay. Like the dialogue, there was a lot of like broken sentences and sort of assuming that the other person knows knows what they're saying and then replying in ways that have no continuity with the conversation, yeah. especially the the part with Gregory. A lot of that was happening throughout this episode, so it was kind of it was kind of weird. So, yeah, one moment that I remember uh, what you're talking about is uh Daryl responds to gregory by saying something like 
you know, you're either with us or you ain't. <laughs> like, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah. And I thought, no, he's not. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure he has not talked out of both sides of his I'll mouth. I think side. he's just been saying the, <laughs> the same thing very loud the side. whole time. <laughs> right. It just sort of reminded me of like when a kid says something in the heat of the moment that he's he's heard his parents say or like adults say, and he's trying to sound like like a grown up. Yeah, you know, like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, and but he doesn't actually know what it means. Yeah, and he also said something like that to King Ezekiel, where he said, um, "For a king, you don't really act like one." And I was thinking, well, no. He was just talking about how he wanted to keep his people safe. Yeah. He's not beholden to keep everyone outside of his kingdom safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was kind of a, another example. I, I actually typed a lot of them down when I heard them um, just because they were making me laugh. Yeah. But as a whole in the episode, I did enjoy it, though some things took me out. It was fun. Okay, so you said that there wasn't many, like, big, intense moments or suspenseful moments. For me, that one scene where they're trying to MacGyver the the explosives, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. <laughs> mm. And I know yeah. that that was one scene, but right. it was kind of a prelude to the next scene, which was at uh, Alexandria... And I thought when they got to, to Alexandria, we would see a death. Hmm. I was expecting someone to die. Really? Yeah. And, I, and the whole time he was there, I was thinking so – every time someone said something at a turn or whatever, I thought that was going to be uh, a moment where Simon would just have one of his guys either beat them to death or just beat them really badly. Yeah. I thought it was going to be – Aaron or Michonne. Hmm. Okay, you're talking about the scene where they, the saviors know that Daryl's missing, and so they've gone to Alexandria to try and yeah, because find out if we we heard Negan say on the walkie-talkie, "Burn that berg to the ground." Mm. And I mean, I usually take what Negan says pretty seriously, especially when it has to do with violence. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was expecting them to go with like torches and, you know, yeah, throw throw it on the on the base of these hay houses. Well, okay, I will agree. The two really strong dramatic moments I thought in this episode were the whole scene with the dynamite and all of that, yep. and that scene also mm-hmm. when when Simon was was uh, searching Alexandria. And I was really worried that he was going to find the gun mm-hmm. uh, that Daryl had taken from Fat. What's his name? Fat Joey. Fat Joey. Poor Fat Joey. <laughs> tough break. I wrote down the thing that Negan said. <laughs> that was one of the best Negan scenes I think I've ever seen, other than the the uh, the first episode without Fat Joey. Skinny Joey is just <sighs> Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. So, but that does raise the question, what did Rick do with the gun? Did we see what Rick did with the gun? Well, um he got Rick's Colt. 
And so that was the gun that Rick was using the whole episode. Wait, Simon took Rick's gun? No, Daryl took Rick's gun. Daryl took yeah. Rick's gun. Oh, I okay, I misunderstood that. I thought that Daryl gave it to Rick, but Rick gave it back to Daryl to hold on to it? No, so Daryl had the gun, and he gave it over to Rick in the ending of the last episode of The Hilltop. Okay. And that was Rick's gun that he's been using throughout the series. Wait, but why did Joey have it? He didn't have it. No, he did, because... Or, yeah, no, no. Di- yeah, 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 he did have it. Yeah, Daryl took it, he gave it to Rick, and then um, in this episode, that was the gun that Rick was using the whole time. Okay. Up until the very end when they get surrounded. Yeah, what what I was expecting was that Simon would find that gun right. and know that it had been Joey's. Yeah. And I was wondering if Rick hid it somewhere or something, because... He did not not have a gun, ever. Yeah. So you would think Simon would have seen that. <laughs> Right, yeah. And now I want to go back and watch that again because I'm just wondering if that was, you know, a, a complete mistake on Simon's part. Or a mistake on Greg Nicotero's part? Yeah, because it, it seemed to me that they were clearly setting something up with the gun there. Yeah. Like they had that whole moment where Daryl has to stay behind at the kingdom and he clearly hands it over to Rick. And so it seems like... This isn't just about the fact that Rick has a gun. This is that Rick has a gun now that's very incriminating, especially when everyone who's looking for Daryl comes looking for Daryl. But Wait, he gave him another gun? Oh, at the kingdom. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, now I'm really confused. So the gun that Daryl got from Joey, he handed over to Rick. That was what I thought happened. And then wow. Rick was just wa- walking around with it, but Simon didn't notice. Do you want to pause the podcast and I'll go take a look real quick? <laughs> I have it on my uh, queue. Okay. Okay, so we checked the episode and we found that Daryl did not actually hand a gun to Rick in this episode. That happened in uh, the end of the first half of the season when they met at Hilltop. Mm-hmm. But it did rack focus uh, on his... Yeah, it did when Rick was leaving the kingdom... It did focus on the fact that he had the gun in the holster, reminding us that that gun came from Daryl, which came from Joey, mm-hmm. and hope I'm sure it was intended to heighten the suspense when Simon and crew showed up later. Right. But looking at that scene, Rick has a holster, but he has no gun in it. But we, as far as we can remember, we don't remember Rick seeing Rick put that gun anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if I was Simon, I would wonder where the gun is and why do you have a holster on your belt? That's just me. Right. You know, and there could be arguments for it, I guess, but... um, Fashion. Fashion. Yep. Post-apocalyptic fashion, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, I felt pretty good about the suspenseful parts of this episode. I did have some issues with the car scene and the explosions. Uh, we could get to that later because I have it written down. But uh, overall, yeah, I'd give this episode about a 5.5 or a 6. Okay. So we both established that we liked those two scenes for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
I still am not entirely clear on what they were trying to do in that scene with the dynamite. Yeah. Like, I understood that they wanted to get that dynamite, but I don't understand why they were heading towards the Savior's compound, you know, why they were... I was I was just kind of lost. That whole scene, to me, like, the suspense was there, I think, primarily because I was so confused. <laughs> and I didn't know what was going to yeah. happen on top of the fact that I was so confused. Yeah. I have a lot of my confusions written down, but I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay. So, yeah, I was definitely confused. Um, but... I completely understand why they would want to get as much of that dynamite as possible. I can understand why the saviors would have dynamite set up there if uh, there was a herd nearby. And I did really love the scene, which I think is the moment that, you know, obviously was the selling point of the episode when Michonne and Rick drove the wire through all those zombies and Dude. like with the drone shots and everything that Dude. was that was so that good was <laughs> yeah <laughs> clotheslining zombies with a steel wire <laughs> right <Come> on <laughs> and the yeah. pov shot that, yeah that was that was beautiful i was a little upset that when they michonne and rick got out of the car that they were like engulfed by zombies and it wasn't a problem, really. Right. You Just kind of shoved I, them. I feel like the show has done that a few too many times at this point, where somebody is just completely surrounded by zombies. There's no reason that they shouldn't get bitten by one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you just you just know they're gonna be okay. Right. Yeah. No. When it's Rick, you know, of course, he's gonna be okay. Shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why Michonne didn't pull her sword out. She was yeah. running with it, holding on to it awkwardly. And she didn't ever pull it out to do some slicing, which she has proven she's pretty good at. <laughs> yeah. So I have I have some problems with this scene, even though it was very suspenseful. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I was kind of wondering why everyone was just okay with Rosita tinkering around with an explosive. Like, just straight away, she pulls up the grate, and she starts fiddling around with the wires. If I was someone in that group, I would ask, does she know what she's doing? I don't know. Maybe we should ask her. Isn't she supposed to have some sort of military background? You know, I don't know. I thought about that, and I was thinking the only kind of insinuation we've had was her being close to Abraham. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's ever mentioned being in SEAL Team 6. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and even in the military, there's certain certain sections that will deal with uh, these kinds of things. Not everyone is a demolitions expert, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I was just really confused because there she is tinkering around and no one bothered to talk to her or ask her what she was doing. So the whole time, the suspense was killing me because I I was expecting something to blow. Mm. Again, we haven't had any proof that she knows what she's doing here. And then we have Tara who takes a step back and, <laughs> and Rosita says... Uh, 
don't matter if I take a step back, it's still gonna blow. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. It's like, well, stepping back won't help you if it blows up, something like that, yeah, which is true. Right, yeah. Uh, and then I couldn't understand um, why they didn't just drive around the highway on the other side, why they had to move all the cars. Mm-hmm. They could have just ra- backtracked a little bit and then drove around the other side of the highway in the other lane. But it's not like they have to worry about oncoming traffic, you know? Well, wasn't the other side all blocked up? Um, it had the explosives, but at the time, okay. at the time, they didn't know that the explosives were there. Mm-hmm. So I would have at least liked someone to be like, hey, instead of us moving these cars, why don't we turn around? You know, then they would have even saw the explosives and they could have still had that scene. Yeah. Um, but then they would have wasted less time, which was a part of the suspense. But mm-hmm. I felt like it was kind of cheap suspense because I felt suspenseful because there was a lot of dumb decision making happening. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting someone to pay for it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I did feel like that scene was pretty good with the, the suspense. It just felt a little cheap with what they were doing and then then sasha drops when she did this like my jaw dropped she takes two uh dynamite sticks and drops them next to rick as she's running back to the hilltop i don't know what she Mm -hmm. says but she takes them she brings them about to like four inches off the ground and then just lets go of them and runs off thinking you just dropped dynamite on the ground you might as well have thrown it <laughs> what? I thought it was kind of random when Rosita was just like, I don't like the way those look. The inspector. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then she put it off to the side and it ended up blowing up anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I felt weird that she had given everyone all these directions really quickly, and the only reason why I knew what she was talking about was because I had the captions on, the closed captioning on. Mm. So I was reading it. I was like, okay, that makes sense, but in the heat of the moment, I don't know if I would have caught all that. And everyone, and Rick's like, y'all heard her. Everyone just goes to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're dealing with dynamite. And then, um, uh, and then I thought when when Rick was like, I pushed it, I pushed it. I was like, yeah, you kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> you pushed it a little too far, buddy. <laughs> Uh, so when Michonne looked at Rick and said, "We're the ones who live," have that did ri- that strike you as ominous? Yeah, I have that written down. I I uh, said, "Is that uh, is that foreshadowing?" Mm. So something I didn't like mm-hmm. was that there was a real predictability to a lot of aspects of the episode, mainly. Like, okay, we know that they're building an army, and we know that they're going to ask for help, and the first response is going to be no. Because, mm-hmm. of course, that's just the way it is. Yep. People are slow to come around, and then we're not going to have everybody together and on the same page until the, near the end of the season, because what are we going to do if we solve this problem early in the season? Right. So there's just sort of like this, okay, can we just get through this? Like, Ezekiel's going to say no, Gregory's going to say no. Well, Gregory saying no really didn't have any merit anyways. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, I know you're criticizing the dialogue, and I I 
share some of those criticisms. But that first scene with Gregory, I was actually like, oh, I kind of like the way that he's acting right now because I feel like it's injecting some life into the scene. Hmm. Yeah, I actually put down is Gregory cartoony. <laughs> I guess... He said, rhetorical! Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I liked that. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> and yeah, he is kind of cartoony, but you get so used to characters just kind of being, like, sullen and, like, staring at each other. Yeah. And... Brooding. Yeah, being broody. <laughs> Did you find yourself kind of agreeing with him? A little bit. Because... It is a pretty crazy idea to take on the saviors. Yeah. And especially when they uh when they died trying to do it the first time. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about Morgan because when Morgan was questioned by Ezekiel, you know, he had that big moment where he could he could push Ezekiel over the edge. I think they were trying yeah. to frame it that way. Oh, and, uh, yeah, for sure. And it was like Morgan knew it, too. Right. And he has changed some from before. He's he's a bit more willing to consider use of force. Right. They, yeah, they even mention it in this episode. Yeah, yeah. But what Morgan said, I thought, was actually really reasonable. Hmm. You know, maybe there's some way we can take out Negan. And... I thought, yeah, pay attention to what Morgan's saying there, you know, because yeah. they're, they're amassing a whole army like they're going to take on all of the saviors. And, of course, that's going to result in a lot of casualties. Of course, a lot of people are going to die. But mm -hmm. you cut off the head of the monster, there's a good chance that the monster will die. So, and a lot less lives will have to be lost. Hmm. So, I was kind of, I thought it was sad that when Morgan said that. Because he was conceding, like, we should try to kill Negan. Old Morgan wouldn't have said that. Well, he said but, capture Negan. Okay. And lock him up. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah, so I was I was reacting to that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, come on, Morgan. Not again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel the way that you felt. No. I mean, I could see what you're saying. It's It definitely makes sense. Oh, oh, and, and when Rosita said to him, do you want to still say you were right or something like that? Yeah. I was confused by that. I was confused as if she was saying, oh, now you know that Glenn and Abraham died. Now don't you realize how necessary it is to use violent force? Uh -huh. Or was she saying, do you still want, do you basically want to rub it in, in our faces that you were right? Because you were the one who said... We shouldn't go and attack the Savior's compound. Right. And we did it, and that's what then led to Abraham and Glenn dying. Like, that wouldn't have happened if we had just right. not attacked that outpost. Mm -hmm. So, I wasn't, it wasn't clear to me what Rosita was actually implying. I, honestly, I had no idea what she was talking about either. Yeah. However, I, I reacted to her response. I was thinking... Why are you being such a jerk in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I thought Morgan's response was really good, too. You know, how he said, no, I'm just sad. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was well done. Right. And I think that his response to say, no, I'm just sad, actually fits more with Rosita basically saying, so do you want to say, we? I told you so? Yeah. So you liked how Morgan stood up for a different angle. You just didn't like how it resulted? Well, I mean, I'm fine with the way it resulted because... I think that's consistent with Rick's character at this point and the feeling of everybody. Like, they're out for blood, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that Morgan, what he said, was reasonable. Um, But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it more as him being captured rather than killed, I don't know. If you capture a leader of a huge group like that, they're going to they're going to want him back. They might want him back or they might feel free. It's kind of hard to judge. Like remember what Fat Joey said, he's like I'm just a guy that's trying to get by. And I think for a huge number of people at the Savior's compound, that's the case. You know, they're people that are just trying to get by. They're looking out for number 1, which is themselves, and so they end up serving Negan because Negan can get them what they need. Sure. But they might actually be terrified of him. Mm-hmm. But you have people like Simon, which if I think Negan was captured, Simon wouldn't sleep until he found Negan. Hmm. Maybe. Or maybe Simon would be like, all right, great. Now that I can, now I can take charge. Yeah. And then in, if that's the case, like, what do you do then? Yeah. You, know, you got another Negan. Right. And Negan keeps saying that everyone is Negan. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I felt... I felt uh, the same way that you felt about the whole Ezekiel scene, but um, <clears throat> well, I felt similarly. I I hated the fact that they used the trope that you know he's just going to say no, you know it was going was going to happen. I could feel it, and I was kind of annoyed that we were playing this out. But when he asked for Morgan's counsel, I was like, okay. We just heard Morgan speak outside about how he killed someone because he had to. Mm. I'm I'm assuming that that's where he's going to go with this. And then when he didn't, when he had the chance to teeter Ezekiel off of that that fence, I thought he was going to take it. Mm. And then what that would have done was that would have started this war much earlier. We would have a long process through like this whole. Uh, uh, back half of the season would be action-packed, you know? But then Mm -hmm. he didn't. And then Ezekiel uh, said he wanted to have them sup with them and tell them his (laughs) feelings in the morn. And then then I thought that when he spoke to that... I I don't know his name. The kid. The kid. Yeah, the kid. Yeah. When he spoke to him... And he said, uh, you have wise counsel. Your father would be proud. I am, or the king is proud of you. Um, I thought that was going to change his mind. And then in the next, in the morning, I thought that they would have taken the other side of that trope and been like, ha ha, gotcha. We're not going to do the whole no, 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 no thing. And then wait till the end of the season. No, we're going to start this now. Yeah. But then Ezekiel turns him down. And it made no sense why he was turning him down to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's known about this threat for so long. And Richard's been on his back right. this whole time. I would think if more people came in and gave their argument, he would 
relent to it just a little bit. So I felt like that was a disappointment because, yeah, they're sticking to that trope and they they could have gone the other way. And it would have, I think, sped up this pa- the pacing. And the pacing's a big thing that we were talking about in our original inaugural podcast. In our lost cast. Yeah. And, you know, maybe as far as the ratings go, the fact that this is a six will kind of ramp up the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it'll just stay at a six and then dive. But who can say? Yeah. <laughs> Because usually the first episode is the, you know, is the high point. Yeah. Yeah, it did seem like it was kind of out of nowhere that Ezekiel was saying no after that conversation with that kid. Yeah. It made it seem like the purpose of that conversation was just for misdirection. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that kid did a better job of selling the the fight than Rick did. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wonder if it's like... I don't know if 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 they're not having Ezekiel swayed yet because that's what Carol is supposed to do. Hmm. Or maybe they want him to really feel the guilt of losing someone close to him as a result of him taking so long to say no. Hmm. Okay. Maybe a Carol. Maybe. I'm just envisioning Ezekiel going to visit Carol again sometime, mm-hmm. telling her what had happened. So that's how she finds out about everything. Mm-hmm. And then maybe she's allowed a little bit of time to brood. And then she's like, you must join them. <laughs> I will join them. Right. Maybe I'll, you teach, find them all, I'll teach them all how to fight. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe she'll find out about Glenn and Abraham that way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you think she was going to find out about Rick being there with the kid going through the woods? Yeah, I was frustrated that Carol did not find out. For them to get that close to Carol and not actually see Carol was pretty annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that was kind of dragged. Like, this whole thing with her not being in there and Reach is kind of dragged out. I will say, I really enjoy seeing Carol whenever she comes into contact with a young person have that reluctant motherly care. Yeah. Turn your safety on. Yeah. <laughs> Hilto. Hilto. <laughs> yeah. She hates kids, yet she loves them so much. I just don't understand what they've done with her character. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. I feel that way too. It's a shame because she's really had a great arc. Mm-hmm. I think... The reason why they kill off their characters after a great arc is because they don't know what to do. Right. Like Carol. Yeah. Like, oh, well, she's kind of at the end of her arc. Let's kill her. (laughs) Or I guess we could just have her go live in the woods by herself for a while. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome if that's how they actually talked in the writer's room? (laughs) And maybe then just a bear could eat her. (laughs) <laughs> there be no one would expect that because of the berries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Morgan brings her berries. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Also, going back to the scene where Rick is trying to sell the war to Ezekiel, mm-hmm. that story he told 
I don't know about that. I was like, I the, was going to ask you what you thought about the parable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just one of those moments where it was like, I don't think if you had a mom, she really told you that story, <laughs> and that, <laughs> and that it would that it would come out at that moment. It really wasn't a very good story. I could barely even pay attention to it because it was so boring. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, <laughs> and it didn't even make any sense. Uh, you know, why would the king put right. the rock there when the rock is what's hurting everybody? Right. Just so somebody <laughs> would dig it up. Like it was like this is a little too on the nose. It was it was trying to be a Jesus of Nazareth parable, <laughs> but failing pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I was conflicted about it. And I, I, well, and can I just say, yeah. like, can you can you imagine like a mother putting their kid <laughs> to bed and being, let me tell you the story about the rock and the kingdom, <laughs> the rock and the road, the rock and the road, and and she dug until her hands bled, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was gold oh. inside. All right. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand currency, and I'm five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, but yeah, you were saying. Yeah. I was conflicted about the story, (laughs) but my reaction was similar. That uh, I was asking myself, what's he talking about? And why would his mother (laughs) tell him a story like this? (laughs) But... I did think it was interesting that the king, um, the reveal at the end being the king who was the one who put the gold in the road, it did remind me of a hook from a parable, except that it made no sense. (laughs) Why would a king injure uh, horses and and break transportation uh, carts and, and... and uh carriages and harm people all just to so his people would learn of a valuable life lesson and i don't understand it in the context of our story with the saviors like mm-hmm. did negan put the saviors there so that he could find out whether anyone would actually root out the saviors or <laughs> did ezekiel put the saviors there to find out if anyone <laughs> would root them out so that they could get the gold of rooting out the saviors. <laughs> yeah. It really makes no sense. <laughs> I was more impressed that Rick had an audience with the king in that moment. Ezekiel was like, all right, we're done here. Knock, knock. And then Rick starts telling him a bedtime story. <laughs> and the king was listening. Yeah. And Jerry was like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I I buy that Rick is trying to play the game that the that Ezekiel is playing. Sure, too. like you know, mm-hmm. Ezekiel talks like royalty and puts on this show, and mm-hmm. so Rick's going to respond by, well, "Let me tell you a story." You know, I'll right. persuade you through my parable. But. Right. Except for the fact that we've never heard Rick tell anyone a story, not even Judith. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear more about the stories that Rick's mom told him. <laughs> yeah. Georgia moms and their uh, their dark, ominous <laughs> bedtime stories. 
Maybe he just made it up because he was trying to convince Ezekiel, and he thought this will be the kind of way that you you do it. Okay, I could buy that. Actually, I think I I, I would have been totally okay with that scene if there was like a comedic moment just a little while afterwards on the way out where you know rick said something about like my mom never told me stories you know or i don't know yeah that'd be great like uh i've never told a bedtime story in my life yeah hope it worked (laughs) yeah (laughs) hopefully that worked yeah did that that make sense (laughs) i pulled that right out of my butt (laughs) right yeah (laughs) Yeah, that would have been great. I did like um <laughs> I did like when what do you say? They come into the auditorium and Ezekiel says something like, Welcome, good travelers. I'm very pleased to have you travelers here with me or something. And Jerry's like, The king is very pleased, and he's like, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was funny. That yeah. made me laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, that was good. I also, this isn't in my notes, but uh, I did like how Gregory called Rick, Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, so um, uh, do you want me to say what I liked and didn't like? Sure. Okay, so my biggest problem in this episode was Mm -hmm. the dialogue, and I actually wrote down the little piece of dialogue that bothered me, well, one of them. Rick says, how much further? And Jesus replies, well, technically, we're already here. I mean, we're always here, but here we are at the kingdom. And then Michonne (laughs) says something later on, uh, something like... uh, we're here. And I'm like, in the car. Yeah, I know. Obviously, we're in the car. Here. And and so my, my issue with that mainly is just this idea that they keep bringing up here's not here. Or they keep uh, peppering and littering the word here throughout the show in weird ways. And I don't know. Maybe just a little payoff at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a few seasons into when they started this whole here thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe if it is significant, we should have some sort of reveal or payoff or something. But I mean, really, I just didn't like the dialogue too much. The pacing, I thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. It dragged a little. Um,. But what I did like, what I, I like that Negan scene. I I really liked that Negan scene. <laughs> that that scene where he's talking about Fat Joey. That that got me. Also <laughs> also uh, hearing Ezekiel quote uh, Martin Luther King. Yeah, that was cool. That was nice and the nice just juxtaposition with the night nighttime bedtime story thing. Yep. Oh, I didn't put that together. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and I just like the idea that in this post-apocalyptic world that a bedtime story that you might hear would be the I Have a Dream speech. Right, yeah. No, that is good. I don't know what we're supposed to glean from him talking to this girl, but who is she? Have we heard, like, have we gotten any information about her? She seems to be this boy's 
friend or sister or something. Um, but this is the first time I've seen her. Yeah, I don't remember her. So I don't know if like that will come into play later or. Mm-hmm. But initially, I thought it was Rick sneaking into his quarters. Mm. And I was thinking, like, what are you about to really do, Rick? <laughs> what are you uh, trying to get done right now? Uh, then, yeah, it wasn't Rick. I mean, I guess we could get to the end. Because the other thing I was confused about, I didn't dislike it. It's just uh, I had some mild confusion. Mm-hmm. Gabriel was at his post. Right. He looks away, and I'm thinking in my head, don't you do it. Don't you get away from your post. I thought someone was going to shoot him because he was looking the other way, and I thought there was going to be some kind of sniper there or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And he gets down from his post. He he walks away, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? you know he's not getting down for no reason mm-hmm. because Rick would kill him. Then he's looking around. He looks kind of confused. And I put down either he's ditching everyone or he thinks someone's there. Also, when he's in the pantry off camera and kind of throwing things into that bin, initially we hear this crash, right? Yeah, And it's off camera, so I'm thinking, did someone just mug him or hurt him or injure him or something? And then it cuts to him, you know, throwing all this stuff in the, the bins. But then he says something to someone. He he angles his face and whispers, I have it here somewhere. Um, he says, just check in to uh, someone off camera. He turns his head and he says, just check in. Hmm. And I probably wouldn't have caught that if I didn't have the subtitles on. Yeah. So I'm wondering who he said that to. And then we see someone sit up in the front seat of the car and probably the person that he's talking to. And Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't notice that, that somebody sat up in the front seat when I watched it the first time. I just oh, really? realized that when I read a review later. Oh, Yeah. So, I mean, it was really dark. He was hooded and you could barely see. Yeah, well, my first thought is that I love the way the episode opened. Mm-hmm. Um I you know, how I'll feel about all of this in the end, it will be determined by you know, the answers we get. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they brought Father Gabriel to our attention again, he's, you know, pretty background character but like you know because of his history a moment like that is plausible yeah it's plausible um but you still have some hope like well maybe he's not really going the wrong direction here maybe he's not really betraying them but it's hard to conceive of what's what's happening so i do totally think that there's somebody with him and Mm -hmm. somebody who's encouraging him to do what he's doing and do you think someone had a gun on him while he was on the post and that's why he came down? Because um, the scene looked like he was being guided the whole time. Right. It also didn't look like he was being threatened or his life was in jeopardy. Right. But Yeah. So one thought I had was, okay, well, first of all, the the person that 
did this is the Boots character, right? Sure. Yes. I mean, that was my and, guess. Yeah, we were trying to figure out who who the Boots character is. Mm-hmm. Did we discuss the possibility that it's Heath? No, but I, w- I, I don't think so. But maybe, I mean, that'd be a jump for me. You think so? Because if Heath got connected with the, another group of people and he wanted to connect Alexandria with those people. Um, it would be a jump for me because the the Boots character was so tightly connected to the houseboat character. Mm-hmm. And then when we get, and I'll, I'll just skip to the end real quick. When we get to the end and they're walking onto the uh, the houseboat property and our heroes get surrounded by people who are dressed like that uh like that character would be dressed you know boots hoodies and we see the the silhouette in the car Mm -hmm. i mean he's wearing a hoodie so or she and it would be reasonable to think that that person is from the same community okay yeah so i guess they could i guess i could buy that it would be keith or uh, heath but um i don't know if it'd be earned right That'd be like a real big connection, like just out of nowhere or by happenstance, Aaron and Rick find this houseboat and raid it. And then that, at least they play it to make it seem like that guy follows them back to Mm -hmm. Alexandria. And then it says in the book, boat. Right. You know? That is one thing that I didn't like. Okay. Because that is such a cryptic clue, and there's so many pages in that Bible. Like, oh, it wasn't in the Bible. It was in, um, it was uh, in the last page of the uh, journal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, whatever it is, like, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of pages in there. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a stretch to think that one that they would look in there. Sure. Two, that they would look in the right spot. And three, that they'd be able to, like, figure out from boat, oh, here's where we need to go. I feel like Walking Dead does that all the time these days. Like, these, like, really subtle things that, like, blink and you miss it kind of stuff. (laughs) And I feel like they think they're being clever. But it's like, no, just give me a clear shot of what's happening and, like, let's actually think through whether or not this would work. Yeah. Like, I remember getting so frustrated in the episode from earlier in the season with Daryl where, like, he was looking at some picture of something that they had given him and there was no way you could actually see what he was looking at um and i figured i figured well it was probably like a picture of i don't know somebody's head bastion or something like that to remind him of glenn Uh but i still don't know for sure what didn't wasn't that a picture of glenn i don't know didn't dwight say something like did this to your friend or I don't know. Something like that? I can't remember. Mm. I just know I that so. there's a reoccurring thing with Walking Dead where wherever, like, the camera kind of, like, zooms in on something that's supposed to be a clue, I can never s- tell what it is. Yeah. And I, like, squint, and I'm like, no, no, they're lingering, so they're giving me some time <laughs> to figure it out, and then it's gone, and, ah, again, yeah. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't tend to do any payoffs. Yeah. So you think in the future uh, you'll be able to see something else and they'll allude to it and or they'll make the payoff clear, but they don't. Right. Yeah, the other thing is that these these clues 
they're only interesting if there's a chance that you might be able to put them together and figure something out. Right. But like like when when uh Heath was missing and Tara found that little piece of paper that had like some peas on it or something. The nine to the peas or whatever. Ni- yeah. I mean I'm sure that eventually we'll know what that was. Maybe. But it doesn't really well, yeah. <laughs> I guess because <laughs> it used to be when there were A's everywhere, right? Did we ever figure yeah. out what those were about? No. We figured out what the W's were. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, what are the A's? Yeah, I have no Those idea. Those have been going on for a long time. Right. Or that was a long time ago that... Yeah. That was before Morgan coming back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adulterer. <laughs> the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> um, yeah, I do share that with you in general about The Walking Dead. However, I did put down in my notes... While Rick was looking at the Bible, mm-hmm. and it was an up angle, before they go down into the pantry. Oh, quick. Before I say this, I just want to vent about one little thing. What is with the saviors and going to places where they're trying to um, uh, commandeer more resources and whatnot? Yet they go in there, and they're knocking over shelves and throwing breakables down on the ground, and they're just making a unnecessary mess <laughs> what is the point what are you trying to do you're trying to look for for daryl you're not trying to get on these people's bad side <laughs> you do that anyways right you know i don't understand that anyways that was a little rant uh but going back to rick i do have in my notes i did appreciate how rick was doing some detective work even though he was a sheriff but um it seemed like he was doing some police work while he's, you know, looking through the Bible and trying to put clues together to see where Gabriel could be. And then we go downstairs and we see him uh, pick up the journal. And just like he was uh, flipping through the Bible to the last page, he does the same with this journal. Mm-hmm. Then he sees the page with the Negan bat and then he sees uh, flips even further and he sees the word boat. So... I can buy that because Rick is a cop. And personally, as a viewer, I enjoy seeing him do work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will agree that it is borderline ridiculous that Aaron is standing right there and he looks at Rick and he says, how would he know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's fair. Uh, my mind would probably go there, you know, and it's kind of like if you're guilty for something and... Someone mentions what it could be that you're guilty for. You feel attacked even though you're not. Mm. So I could believe that Rick and Aaron would be assuming that he's referring to that boat in particular. And it just so happens that he was. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Now, there was an episode, and I can't remember exactly when it was, when Gabriel got out of the car that Spencer was driving and he just walked back on his own. Yes. Maybe that could have been a time when he encountered someone and arranged some sort of plan. That'd be a long shot, wouldn't it? I mean, we'd kind of have to get a uh, a backstory or a flashback. Yeah. I would think. Something I liked was the way that Rick stood up for Gabriel. Right. He was like, no, he's different now. Mm-hmm. But it is ambiguous. I mean, if I had to put my money 
on it, I would say that Gabriel is trying to do what's in the best interest of the group and right. not just himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to believe that Gabriel is kind of redeemed. But, I mean, it was pretty recent that he did sell out the group to, what's her name? Deanna. Deanna. Yeah. Wasn't that like a month or two ago in the show's time? <laughs> oh, I wonder what it is in the show's time. I don't know. I don't know. It's last season. Yeah. Well, I think it was season five. Was it? I'm pretty sure. I thought it was the first, like the ending first half of season six before the scene with the herd. Okay. I thought. I could be wrong. I could be, yeah, I could be very wrong. If that was the case, then yeah, I could see, I mean, I definitely see his arc being a redemptive arc. But he was the guy that locked people underneath his ch- his chapel to kill them. Or lock them out, sorry. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, maybe you are right that it was the sixth season. I could be wrong. I want to say I want to say that the turning point for him was, was actually halfway through the sixth season. Okay. When uh, that was the episode when... Uh, Rick's love interest there and the, her, her two kids died mm-hmm. and I, I want to say that in that scene like right before it he you know he he said something like oh he uh, took Judith okay yeah 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 yeah. he took Judith I remember that to keep her safe yeah and he and he, Rick said something like I don't trust you but I hope that you don't let me down or something mm-hmm yeah, and he wanted to prove to Rick that he could be trusted. Right. Yeah, and then it, I I believe in Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Just a couple episodes after that, or maybe the next episode wasn't wasn't too long after that. There was that that episode where Alexandria was attacked, and um, it had like that montage of all the people swinging their axes and everything at the walkers. Mm-hmm. And it was in that episode where Gabriel was like, God is going to give us the strength to yeah. save Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, he was different. Yeah. There was a definitely a clear change in his character. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't think Gabriel's going to let us down, but I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be convinced that the way that he did it made sense. Yeah. I'm holding out hope. I really do hope the back half of the season, you know, the, uh, the showrunner, um, the producers, the, the writers in the writer's room and, and everyone involved that they, uh, that they realize that they've been doing these things lately. Uh, I don't know, kind of hacky, just uh, mm. arguing back to, you know, how you were saying, they'll give you these little things and they don't have any payoff. I think they just, they don't even notice that they aren't connecting it with the audience sometimes. And that's just one example, but like, I, I think about Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. man, like, you want a good example of good storytelling? Oh, yeah. That show just, uh, it takes the cake. And 
And, and going and we were talking about this in our last podcast, the one that will never see the light of day. But up until the the fifth season, minus the third season, it was really great storytelling, really great. Sixth season, seventh season, I don't know. It just kind of hit these roller coaster lulls. I really liked the initiation into Alexandria. That was phenomenal. And the way that they played that and everything, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just hope we'll see a little bit of a turnaround in this season. Yeah. Well, no hope. Yeah. I love the show. Mm-hmm. I love the show. Yeah. So I'm not giving up on it. Yeah, I'm not giving up. But I will say I've noticed that during a lot of the sixth season and definitely during the seventh season, like there will be times where I'll be watching The Walking Dead and I'll have that compulsion to be looking at my phone. Yeah. And usually if I'm really into something, that doesn't even enter my mind because I'm so taken out of the moment that the only thing I'm thinking about is the show. Right. Of course, it doesn't help that AMC plays commercials like every two minutes oh my god amc's commercials are ridiculous that's why i love having it on itunes Mm. and i do think they've really made some narrative mistakes with some of the characters that they've killed like i yeah i think that abraham and glenn on the one hand although i understand the rationale of like we got to kill someone important so that people really have suspense on this show and really believe that their characters aren't safe. Like, I get that. But Glenn is a huge loss to the show. <clears throat> I still think Beth was a premature loss to the show. She had yeah. her story was just getting started. There was mm-hmm. so much more they could have done there. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham. Even. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just about to say Abraham. Yep. Missing him. Mm hmm. I could feel, yeah, those two characters, Glenn and Abraham, I could feel their loss for sure in this episode. Yeah. I was missing some uh, Abraham zingers during the conversation with Ezekiel. Right, yeah. Could have seen that playing real well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do uh, Do you want to get into predictions? Sure. Do you want to go first? Oh, well, I guess I've said some of them. I think that Carol will be the one to sway Ezekiel to get in the fight. Okay. I mean, I think it goes without saying that the group that they encountered at the end there is going to be an ally. Uh, Rick, you can see, can already tell. Um, and now, is that group connected to Oceanside in any way, or is that a whole new group? Um, yeah, I think it's a whole new group. I think if it was connected to Oceanside in any way, we we wouldn't have seen any men. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that that group I'm sure will be ally. Oh, um, real quick. I am so sorry to cut you off. Mm. The, the reason why I think that they uh, thought houseboat when the paper said boat is because they're landlocked and the only other place around them that would have a boat is that place Hmm. okay that just hit me i'm sorry continue on yeah i am wondering if that kind of um i guess you could argue unnecessary scene 
<clears throat> of Aaron and his boyfriend or husband there having a conversation is setting Aaron up for for death. Um, or his husband. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. Um, I thought Aaron was going to die last episode. and I thought he was going to die this episode. Really? <laughs> that was the whole Simon thing. Oh, okay. Burn that bird to the ground. Yeah. yeah. I really bought into that. I'm surprised they didn't. It doesn't seem like they're, uh, they're M.O. Yeah. Well, he, he, they really wanted you to think he was going to die in the finale of, or the yeah. mid-season finale. Yeah. Uh, watching that again before seeing the new, the new episode, I thought, man, they, they really were trying to sell that. Mm-hmm. Which is great. I I had genuine suspense, and I was glad that he survived. And um, but why did he survive? Hmm. It's a question. So that they could kill him later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, uh, I I'm still going with my prediction that we're not going to see any major character deaths. Okay. Whether or not Aaron counts at a ma- as a major character at this point. I'm going to say he's he's significant enough that that he he falls uh within my prediction that that everyone's going to make it in this half season. So Oh, you do. That you think everyone's Yeah. That's right. You think everyone's going to make it. I mean, maybe that sounds naive, but I'm I'm going to stick with it. Mm. Okay. But then you get into the question of like, well, if somebody is going to die, who do you think it's going to be? And I it does seem like they might be setting up Aaron. And uh I think in in the Lost podcast, I said that it was uh that Eugene is definitely in danger. Mhm. So, but I did like the shout out for Eugene. He was taken. Or uh, what did they say? He was swiped. Right, yeah. He was taken. He was taken. I hope Eugene doesn't go. Yeah, me too. Gregory's going to die. Oh, yeah. But how or when, I have no guess. Brutally and (laughs) during the battle. (laughs) That's my guess. I think actually it's just going to be the flu. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Maggie's going to stab him in the gut. Oh, that would be <laughs> terrible. It's just like, this is from my baby. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Yeah, okay, I'm done. Okay. Um. Well, my prediction, I think Ezekiel will die, either at the end of this season or the beginning of the next. And if he doesn't die... Uh, I think he'll lose someone close to him um, in this season. Okay. And perhaps that's who he was talking to at the bedside, and they're they're just setting up uh, that relationship or the relationship with Carol. And I think I think that's ultimately why they wanted to play him not saying yes so early. Okay. I think they want to give him the guilt of not saying yes and to Rick and, and going into battle sooner. Hmm. It's interesting to me that you're thinking a lot about the the girl that he was reading the story to. Because the thought didn't even cross my mind that this could be an impor- important person. Mm. You it know, 
probably isn't. <laughs> I just thought it was. I mean, now that I think about it, it's like I should have thought about it. Like, why would is this, is this just just story time with the king? Does he just, just <laughs> come and read you a bedtime story? <laughs> he's uh he's the backup for when that boy isn't doing storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you took over my shift. Thanks. Appreciate it. You can clock out now. <laughs> Yeah, and why is are there shifts for bedtime stories? Like, are there no parents in the kingdom? So, I do, I do think ultimately that is his sister, uh, okay. that boy's sister. Okay, because yeah, like who else would be telling the story other than the boy? Yeah, she should have a family, but his dad's dead and his mom's dead. So yeah, and evidently the dad was close to Ezekiel. Right. You know, they were friends. Yeah. Is your prediction that Ezekiel is going to die, does that have anything to do with the comics? Because I know you read the comics. No. Um, It's just the feeling that I got with him denying them uh, the alliance for the the battle. Okay. Which I would think, as a king, you'd be like, yes! War! (laughs) Let's go to battle! (laughs) (laughs) I know that's what I would do. (laughs) A king without a war is like a fish without a sea. <laughs> it is no king indeed. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know why, but in my mind, Ezekiel is going to end up becoming a part of Rick's group, and but he's going to be, like, stripped of his kingly facade. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Because I put down, I was one, what I, I write, I said, um, oh, I'll just read you the notes that I have in order because they kind of all uh, con- are connected. said, hearing Ezekiel quote, Martin Luther King was chilling, especially in the post-apocalyptic world, quote, free at last, free at last. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also a nice callback to when we, when he said he played MLK in the theater, um, is quote free at last foreshadowing anything. Hmm. Um, and I wrote down the boy's speech was really inspiring and well done. And I said, I was also wondering if Ezekiel dropped the act around the boy till he said, quote, the King is very proud. <laughs> It seemed like the king has a certain kind of rapport with this boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's not trying to be kingly. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, I just thought of something else. If if uh, Ezekiel really admires Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. then he would not be... Um, he would be very slow to get participate in violence since yeah. MLK was all nonviolent resistance you resist mm-hmm. and you do so you know intensely peacefully but, yeah. but you do it nonviolently so yeah that would make sense yeah yeah and maybe you know when when the kid there is saying this inspiring message it sounds like Ezekiel is totally buying into it and maybe he is mm. but he's just trying to formulate how are we going to resist How's he going to be a hero in his own right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
if you have the chance to be a hero, be a hero. And I mean, yeah, Martin Luther King was a hero. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I appreciate this whole thing more now because it did seem like Ezekiel's decision was in in not coherent with the way the episode had gone, but thinking of it in context of him just happens to be reading Martin Luther King, right. you know, in that scene. And and then the way that the kid speaks, it's entirely possible that he takes it in and is inspired by it. Oh, yeah. Just as, as you would a Martin Luther King speech. Mm-hmm. But he still turns down participating in war. Right. But that doesn't mean he's not thinking about how are we going to actively resist. True. I mean, he has been passive mm-hmm. up until now. Yeah. I mean, just passively going along with doing the Savior's bidding. But I can see his turn, and I, I think this would be interesting, uh, being more of an activist route rather than being a, a warrior route. Yeah. Which would make sense with his character. Right. Like you said, uh, it just so happens that his right-hand man, other than Jerry, is uh, Richard. Mm-hmm. Who is all gung ho and and ready to go behind his back? And yeah. you know, he said, um, "I'll I'm in this with you guys if you need me." Right. And he made a great point. He uh, what did he say? He said, um, "Every day, the more we give them, the more they grow stronger. The more weapons they get, yada yada yada." And he's not wrong. Right. You know, you can't you can't build a an a resistance without the right assets and the right tools. Nope. So I wonder if Ezekiel will play a role in the resistance, just not the same one that we expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I'd like to see King Ezekiel stick around. Yeah. I don't want to see him go. I do like the facade he has, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see him lose that. It's nice levity for the show. Yeah. And I like <laughs> I liked the night when he's he's like, Who goes there? Yeah. In the king's kingdom. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, is that you? <laughs> yeah. That was great. And how is Jesus friends with everybody? He's Jesus, man. Yeah. He's got his followers. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he seems to be a true dip- uh, diplomat. Yeah. But uh, going back to Ezekiel, I do enjoy the facade. I just think if if he's going to be around for a long time, eventually the facade is going to go. It'll grow tired. Well, not that it will grow grow tired. It's just I just can't see that character lasting long term. Well, he has been doing this a long time. It's true. I feel like he'll either do the facade until he dies you know has his big death scene Mm -hmm. or he'll kind of lose the kingdom and he'll be part of rick's group and he'll of course stop the facade at that point and he'll just like be a guy yeah i hope not i think that arc could be interesting sure because like you just imagine like two years from now Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're just used to him just being a guy in the group. And yeah. You, but you'd remember, oh, yeah, he used to 
talk like <laughs> he lived in medieval times. Right. Um, going back real quick to what you were saying about Jesus and how he's connected to everyone, he refers to the Alexandrians as we. Hmm. And that struck me as odd. Yeah. Because he definitely is a part of Hilltop, but he also is a part of Alexandria. Right. He kind of forced himself in, but <laughs> in nevertheless. Yeah. Yeah, he's a character right now that I feel like there's so much more they can do with him, and we really have not gotten to know him at all. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I kind of like it that way. Mm-hmm. Right now, at least. I could see them fleshing him out more later. Mm. Who I really want to see fleshed out in a backstory is Negan. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that scene with him today. I loved that we didn't see him. And I loved that it was so quick. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. Yeah. You know, those three things, I feel like, is the key to to Negan doses. You know, it's mm-hmm. got to be quick, funny, and uh, he doesn't need to be off screen. But when we do see him long term, I want him to be human. Like, I want him to be a real person and not have that, like, da, 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 da kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Always rolling up with his uh, bat and boots. I don't know. Lurching backwards on his... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I mean, it's cool. I'm not going to lie. It's cool. But it's cool in small doses. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I feel like that's key. But I would like to see a Negan-centric backstory. Flashback episode or whatever. Hmm. Way more interesting than a governor story. Because <laughs> even, like... Negan in this scene today, he's talking about Fat Joey, and he's talking about him like he loved the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Which just, it makes him likable. I don't know. Like, there's something about Negan that's very likable, but if if he's on screen too long, and he just messes up his dynamic too much, he's just Mm non-empathetic. Yeah, so... Essentially, my prediction is uh, is about Ezekiel, and I also predict that we'll see a, a Negan-centric episode. And uh, I'm guessing, like you, also predicting the group at the end is connected to the Boats guy, and the Boats guy is connected to Gabriel, and possibly Keith. I mean, Heath. <laughs> Keith? Who's Keith? <laughs> I mean, Heath, I, I hope not. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be good, though, if it's Heath? Because then you don't get the Heath-centric episode that uh, you fear. I don't care. I, I just don't want any Heath anymore. The only time I want Heath is with Banana <laughs> in my swirl blizzard at Dairy Queen. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think we're going to see him again. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. <laughs> Which it's just kind of funny that he spent more, far more time away mm-hmm. than we ever did see actually seeing him. Yep. 
Yeah. Even the writers don't like him. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up, right? I think so. I've got nothing left. This is a great first podcast. I think so. Yeah. Well, we'll let everyone else decide how great it is. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Or how awful it is. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Should we start a walkie-talkie Facebook page where we can promote our podcast? If you want to. It's all... I, I I can't really it all rides on me yeah it's all on you because i yeah fair enough all i right. just don't really have the time to understand to, to it right now same so. same <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you'll do it anyway i probably will <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it goes all right well i think that about wraps up our first walkie talkie podcast uh thanks for joining us And we will see you next week. Yeah. Or we will have you listen next week, if you will listen to us. They will hear us next week. Yes. (laughs) We will talkie and they will (laughs) heary. We'll hear you next week. Or no, you'll hear us next week. Or we'll we'll at least hear each other. (laughs) We're still ironing out these kinks. It's okay. Yeah. It's our first podcast. Yeah, forgive us. (laughs) 